everybody. Hello, lovers. Uh, welcome to Relationships in Progress. It's me, Ingrid Stair. And we are in, as I was explaining to producer Steve and my guest today, Melinda, um, I'm supposed to be looking to find a boyfriend, but what this is turning out to do is it's turning out to really help people. Thank you for the feedback for those of you who have sent me your words of encouragement and how you've appreciated some of the guests that we've had on um, at this particular point. So th this particular guest who I've had the pleasure to work with, this beautiful woman um, who has a beautiful heart too, a very giving heart, and she dedicates a lot of her time to helping people just like me. So, so I'm looking forward to a good conversation today with her about being being a person to help people who are victims survivors i like the word survivor as a survivor of domestic violence myself i like the word survivor not victim of terrible people how about that <laughs> so, so um melinda girls is a wife and mother of three she is been working has been working for social services for the past 18 years of her heroic life which is awesome um, she works with outreach and intervention from child protective services to domestic violence. Um, she has an undergrad in sociology with an emphasis on criminal justice as well. And we're going to talk about the criminal justice system and, and helping survivors and thrivers of not very nice people. And so um, she has a graduate studies also in criminal domestic violence or in um, criminal justice. She is a member of Zeta Pi Beta Sorority and the newly appointed domestic violence coordinator for South Carolina as well. Please, everyone, please welcome Melinda to our podcast today. Hi, Melinda. Hello, 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 Ingrid. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on today. Thank you for being here today. I enjoy, I, I had the pleasure and the honor of working with you um, at Meg's in Greenville, South or Greenwood, South Carolina, I travel an hour there, and um, every I guess it was almost every week while, and I had the pleasure to work under you, and um, I just saw how dedicated you were. You were bringing in really great programs to those people. Um, Meg's House, by the way, is a, a shelter that we have them all over the country, shelters all over the country, and I, I think it's the United Way. Is it? Is it not? One of our satellite offices was located at the United Way Center. Yes. Okay, okay, at the at the at the center. So tell me this: How did you get involved in in this in your in your life work? Um, to tell you the truth, uh, while growing up, I just happened to always be that person who spoke up for the little guy. So it kind of came second nature uh, with my studies in social services. Um, you know what, the, the financial aid office, they put me in a work study and I was at a community center located in a church. And that's where it really, really started, started for me. Just making sure that those children were taken care of, putting services where services needed to be, um, and then moving on. You know, I've worked for various agencies that focused on families and children. And so when it came to domestic violence, it was just another, another aspect, you know, another piece of the pie when it came to serving families who needed help. 
it's truly astonishing how many people have been touched by domestic violence. I, I can honestly say that in my life, I never thought that I would be having this conversation. I've never thought I'd meet you. I'm so glad that I did meet you. Um, and I, I never thought I'd be having this conversation. I never believed that it would happen to me. Um, people seem to prey upon people when they're in a very difficult situation. I, I wouldn't, by the way, recommend for people who have been in a domestic violence situation to talk to their new partners about that until they really trust them because mm -hmm. that's why you a lot of people go back into relationships with people who are abusive because the abuser thinks and it can be controlled to abuse can be controlled um they choose not to control it and and there's a lot i can talk about with that but the person is thinking oh well if she put up with that crap from that guy what is she going to put up with from me it's a very manipulative mind Mindset that is a person who is an abusive person. I can spot it a million miles away now, but because it is nothing that was ever a part of my life, um, I did not anticipate that, that this person would be like this. So, can you talk about maybe some of the some of your thoughts about working with people over the years about domestic violence? Maybe um, some of the red flags, things to look for. Okay. Um... Sure, I can talk about that. With working with people who have experienced domestic violence, first things first, they are your average run-of-the-mill person. There is no criteria that you fall in that, that specifies you're going to be a victim, you're going to be an abuser. You know, um, it, it, it touches every life on every social and economic background, as well as every religious background, every racial background. Um, it could be your doctor, it could be your cab driver, you know, it could mm -hmm. be your pastor, or it could be your school teacher. And, that be, and that's the victim as well as the abuser. Um, but from what I've experienced with working with these uh, individuals, they had no idea that they were going into this relationship. Uh, none of them went on their first date and was called every name but a child of God. Um, none of them went on the second date and got their two front teeth knocked out. They mm -hmm. all entered into these uh, situations and relationships with a loving and caring heart. Uh, they were thinking about the other individual and the other individual were thinking about them. Needs were being met. Uh, uh, individuals and relationships were flourishing, but somewhere along the way, those red flags begin to uh, arise, but they were unable to see them. Some of them had no idea what a domestic violence relationship looked like. Uh, some of them had no idea even, ha had even heard of the word domestic violence to even give a name to what they were experiencing. But some of those red flags could be when someone is seeking to control you, Someone is seeking to control the relationship for their own benefit. Um, and it just might, and it can be simple things. It can be simple. It things. always starts Early. off simple. It always starts off with, because they, they're testing you the entire time. So it's, yeah. I really don't like those glasses you're wearing. And the next thing you know, I'm not wearing glasses anymore. Or, you know, yeah. you wear some makeup, anger. It's, it's things like that. And then I start wearing glass makeup, things like that, how it starts. I've been able That's to help. So a lot. I've been able to help a lot of clients start seeing these signs as, as they're dating people see these signs very quickly. Another one is jealousy, 
I don't want you to talk to other people. And they start pushing these people out of, out of your life, whether it be male friends of yours or family members, et cetera. And they do these things in subtle ways. It's not always as upfront um, as, as Ingrid was specifying. Sometimes it could be in the, well, what do you think about this? Or how do you feel about that? I believe this. Don't you believe it too? Yes. As you said with the makeup, you look so much better with your natural face. Don't you mm -hmm. think you should stop wearing the makeup? And then mm -hmm. it grows into, didn't I tell you not to wear the makeup? But by then, you're already stuffed in. Um, and then too, isolation is one of them. And some people don't even realize that they're being isolated. They have activities that they enjoy doing that bring them joy. But the, uh, the partner may say, that might be taking too much time away from us. Um, they might want to live near their family. Well, I have a job offer here. Wouldn't you want us to make more money? Now they, are, now they have no one in their support system in their immediate area because slowly but surely things have been chipped away and taken away and they didn't even see it. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so it, there, there are, there are a lot of resources online too, for you to be able to start looking at some, some red flags. And, and that's a great suggestion too. It, it's, there's a, that buy-in kind of thing as rather than it being them telling you it's, it's so yeah. subtle guys. It, and, and if you're in an, in an abusive relationship, they're not changing. You need to change. You need to get out. But also know that when you're leaving, it's also the, mo the highest time for you to get killed, too. Yes. Um, yes. And so it's so important to have a plan in place. You know, I, I, I um, do not work with couples who have been in domestic violence situations, uh, but I do work with individuals who have had it happen, have, have been part of a survivor of domestic violence. And something that you should know if you're listening and you're, you're here listening with us is that if you've been strangled, you have a really good chance of ending the relationship with death. It is a statistic. It is true. Um, and and I'm, I ha that has happened to me. I'm very grateful that the person who I was with was arrested for criminal domestic violence. It jigs up. And guess what? Now I can start living my life. And so I'm so grateful to the police officers as well as to the um, justice system for, for, for doing that, actually. Um, your background is, criminal, is, is in um, criminal justice. Tell me about what you think about the system as far as domestic violence is concerned. Ingrid. To be honest, just speaking to Melinda as an individual, at times I am saddened at the criminal justice system because I've, I've witnessed court hearings where the, the assailant is charged with assault and battery and they get more time, they're convicted with more time than you would be convicted with should you assault your intimate partner. Thank you for bringing it that. It is no different. It is that the crime is no different, but the weight, the weight of the sentencing is always different. And that does not, that, that does not give a good, a good feeling to a victim. At times, they feel as though 
that the, uh, that the criminal justice system is failing them because it's not giving them enough time to get away, not in every instance, but in some, in some, it's not getting them, giving them enough time to get away. A lot of my uh, clients that I work with, the, the abuser would only be arrested for a day and be right back out. And, mm-hmm. and so they would, they would tell me, Ms. Searles, there's no reason for me to call 911 because he's going to come right back and then it's going to be even worse the next time. It's so true. And, you know, the thing is, is, and I'm glad you brought up that great point about it is assault. I hate the criminal domestic violence. It's assault. It's attempted murder. It's just like when a child is molested, it's rape. Call it what it is. Why, why, why soften things for these people? Um, if you are one of these people, go get help. Stop ruining other people's lives because you're, you're, you're in a messed up way. Um, they, they, I begged them not to take him because I knew that you know, I was in this relationship. And so um, I, um, I... Cho- it was the state that that made the charges against him because you know that's why they changed it here in South Carolina that you so that people wouldn't drop charges anymore. There's I think they're trying. Tell me your opinion about if they're really trying to help people because the laws changed too. The laws changed and it's supposed to make it where it's a little bit more difficult. Is that is that true or what are your thoughts on that? Difficult for the case dropped. Yes, yes, laws are changing and they are trying to change them for the better. They are. Um, I know when I was working for Meg's house, laws were continuous, uh, continuously changing, trying to make things better. Things were being added, you know, stalking charges were being added, um, more severity, uh, more se- uh, serious punishments were being added. So yes, they do try. And I think it is awesome I think it is awesome if if uh, victims are no longer able to say whether or not they want to drop the charges because with working with victims um, while I was in the shelter, again, at times it is all an act. It is all an act because if they don't, if they aren't on the abuser's side, it is another reason for the abuser to to come for them when they get out of jail right um and and it is a it is a ploy that the victims use to in in order for them to say you know i tried to drop the charges you know i tried to get them not to arrest you you see i'm on your side you know we're still in this together because if uh if uh victims can play a certain role or a certain position it can minimize the abuse they receive. Because some of our victims are, are wearing different faces. They have one face for us, they have one face for their children, and another for the abuser. They're, they're playing this juggling act. And when it comes to the criminal justice system, if there's something that they don't have to juggle anymore, then that is awesome. Interesting. I, I never even considered that, but, but it is true. <clears throat> because with domestic violence, you are trying to keep up the lie as much as you are trying so hard to keep that go to work. And, you know, I used to have it all the time. I was working in the matchmaking industry. This is before coaching. And um, people would ask me, 
you know, oh, wow, you're married. Look at that beautiful ring and so on. But nobody ever asked me if I was happy. I would never have actually even um, talked about whether I, you know what I mean? Um, one time I had a bruise on my arm and a coworker said to me, what happened to your arm? Because they kind of knew, they, they knew. And, and we're still friends and, and we've talked about it since then. And I said, oh, I some sex thing I was doing. You know what I mean? You make up these stories and you go on with these lies about, it just even, it's just, you'd rather out yourself with that than out yourself, you know, and people would ask me all the time, you know, um, or once it was over, it's one of those questions, don't victim shame people and ask people, why did you stay? It's one, the worst question you can ask somebody who has been, do, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. One of the biggest things, one of the biggest things is not why did you stay and why haven't you gone? No, everyone leaves when their cup is full. And it is not me to judge you and how big your cup is or how small your cup is. It, it is all based on your life experiences. And then, and then too, sometimes at times, People can't leave. They haven't, they haven't safety planned around it. Um, they haven't come up with a strategy in order to make sure that they are safe. Um, and then also, too, um, people, there is shame and stigmas in their minds that is attached to this. Just as you said, you came up with various stories to hide things. If you leave, then you have to tell your full story. Not everyone is ready for that. So it's amazing. people have to plan and get ready for this. It's amazing how many people aren't, I had to come to terms with the fact of how many people aren't for it, which is why it's so important to get help with counseling, get help with a shelter. There are resources that are free that are out there. Um, they're all over the country, um, these, these shelters that help people. So, um, would you say you've worked with people in the counseling side of domestic violence? How do you counsel somebody like, how do you counsel somebody in it? I've, I've worked through, it's been many years and I've worked through what I've needed to work through, but mm -hmm. I think the time I, I, it was, it was so important to me to go and help other people when we had the chance to work together at the, at the shelter. And so I really wanted to let other people know, that because so many times people don't talk about their experience and when people do you can see people's faces especially men who are good guys their faces they almost get cry when i tell them about my my situation and um so so i can talk about it's like everybody it's only a half an hour ingrid stop talking so um so tell me how you would counsel somebody well when when you're counseling I'm just thinking about some of the stuff you're saying. <laughs> That's why my smile is so big. But when you're counseling someone who's in this situation, you have to always, always keep an open mind. And you cannot come at this with a rational uh, frame of mind of thinking. And or what would you do? You have to throw all of that out the window. Why? Because at times, these victims have experienced horrific things that they won't even share with us. Even if they share a portion of it, they're never going to share all of what they've experienced. Um, and then two, um, a, a, lot of the, a lot of the times, some of these victims have gone through these relationships over and over again because it takes them seven times to leave for good. 
They have mm-hmm. left a number of times, but the seventh time is when they usually are gone for good. And remember, there is shame and sometimes stigma attached to it in their minds. So they are not at all times ready to just talk. So we have to make sure we keep an open mind and we are caring and empathetic, not just sympathetic. You know, we have to try and put ourselves in their shoes and see uh, with their eyes on what's going on and and never, ever, never, ever be judgmental. You know, what you would have done, what, you know, you know, someone else who went through it, what they had, what they had done. Mm -mm. This is all individual basis. So those are just a couple things. Those are just a couple things to keep in mind and always have resources available. Always, always have an abundance of information to give them because sometimes they might be struggling with some things and they might be in denial. So you have to always have tools in your toolbox to hand out as they come to you with different, uh, with different things, different scenarios or what have you. I love when you're talking, I love how passionate you are about it and that you are such a strong person and that I've seen you work with clients and be just so compassionate. And so this is you a lot of the times when we were working together, this is you. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, just listening. I I am. am. But you know, know, I told you this, uh, this was me since day one. This was me as a child. I I grew up um, in the inner cities of Los Angeles, California. So I've seen and witnessed some things. And uh, there were children who weren't able to defend themselves. Just, you have to stand up for people who can't stand up for themselves. You have to have a voice. Because if God has blessed you with something, need to pass that on. You're gonna make me cry, girl. <sighs> what were you thinking about when, I'm gonna coach you for half a second. Not really coach you, but I'm really curious. What were you thinking about? Did you, were you thinking about a story when you got emotional there? Just, I just, I just, I feel deeply for people, so memories just come back to mind. I can vividly, I'm very, very imaginative as well. So I can see things vividly as I'm thinking of it. And at times I can, I get emotional. It's healthy and good. I love it. I let the tears roll as far as I'm concerned. Um, Because if not, we become uh, not compassionate human beings and it takes compassionate people to be able to stand up for the underdog and the little guy. Thank you for your compassion. It's beautiful. In a, in a mean world that we're in, a little bit of a mean world, in my opinion, right now. It's, um, so it's good to have people that are compassionate and caring. And your mind only knows what it's thinking about. It's neuroscience. So your brain only knows. It goes, if you can, if I, it's one of the reasons why I was telling producer Steve today, I don't know how much, how this is going to go for me because I don't like thinking about it anymore. I'm, I'm so, I'm over it. Um, it was many years ago and I don't like talking about it because about it. you can see you in earlier parts of this when we're talking in the interview I start thinking about get very you know passionate about it myself and you know because I have forgiven the other person I have forgiven myself for what happened to me um mm-hmm. that's a lot of it too you you as we're adult people 
and there's like this weird guilt that comes with it because we're adult people and we are, we know better. You know, this is, once we're in it, it to a certain degree, we're like, we, I know better than, why am I allowing this to happen? And it, it's, it's different. You talked, you mentioned earlier on about socioeconomically. Socioeconomically, um, there's a very specific type for upper middle income people where there's that cycle of abuse never gets completed. The part where the, oh, the honeymoon phase and the sweetness and I'm so sorry, honey, I brought you flowers. That happens sometimes a lot more often in lower socioeconomic classes than upper socioeconomic classes. There's no completion because both people work and you can, you can buy anything you want for the most part, you know, or you, you're pretty comfortable. So there's no completion of the process. Have you ever heard of that or does that you? No. Okay. No, I, I'm not familiar with uh, with that portion of it when it comes to the um, the upper class. Um, I do know that um, the upper class experienced this just as much, just yes. as much. It's just that it's not in the public eye because they don't need as many resources, and the resources that they have um, available, they they use it to cover up what's going on, and. Um, the lower income class bracket, they can't cover anything up. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's, very, it's a lot harder for them. Um, and so they're, and they are needing those resources that are available to them. They don't have somewhere else that they can go. Um, and so that's why shelters are available to people and you're able to go and you're able, it, it, for domestic violence, I remember I was talking to one of the ladies at Meg's house, I don't remember who it was now, but she was telling me that, I guess the homeless men get to live there for a year, get to live in, the, in a shelter system for a year. For women with domestic violence, it's 30 days, is it 30 days? They stay at the shelter, is that true? With, I can only speak for Meg's house when I was there. Now, our, uh, our victims had a 60-day stay with the possibility of five 30-day extensions. Okay. Yeah. That's so, and then we had, um, but that was only, that, that specific setting was only for women and children. Now, we did have a transitional house that, um, that we allowed our male victims to stay in, and they had those same options. But now we had a homeless program for just homeless in general. And that was an 18-month program. It's, I'm glad you mentioned that this can happen to men, too, actually. Oh, um, yes. Yes. By all means, men are victims to domestic violence as well. Uh, the face of it is a little bit different. The face of it is a little bit different. They experience um, more. Uh, a woman may experience more choking and punching but a male may experience more slaps and pushes when it comes to the physical aspect of it but it does happen um it does it does it does by all means happen and then it also happens with same-sex relationships as well but mm -hmm. the only thing about it is people don't come forward as often because they feel as though there's a stigma attached so males don't necessarily don't necessarily um, call the police and or seek outside resources because they are fearful of how it might make them look as a man. And then with same-sex relationships, uh, at times, not all of them are out. 
you know, not all of them have, have let the world know that they're in a same-sex relationship. So they will not, they will not tell that something is going wrong. And then to just, just a little bit of a personal note, um, I had a friend, you know, in college, you know, you have your close-knit groups. Well, there was a female in our group who happened to date other females. And in her mind, she was a guy and she was not supposed to lift a finger to a woman because that's what, you know, all of us are taught. Guys are not to hit women. Guys are not to hit women. So she said she was the guy and her same-sex partners would physically abuse her. We've seen her with bruises. We've seen her, you know, hard to walk. What's going on? What's going on? Oh, well, you know, we got into an altercation. Well, you can't let this happen to you. Well, I'm the guy and I'm, I'm just supposed to take it. I'm not. And, and it was just interesting. It was very, very interesting. That was, that was one of my first experiences as a, as a young adult. Um, I knew that this was not right. And I knew it did not matter that you were in a same-sex relationship you still, no one has the right to put their hands on you and or treat you any type of way and or speak to you in any type of manner. I'm glad you mentioned that because verbal abuse is a real thing. A lot of times domestic violence, um, assault or attempted murder or sometimes murder, um, it starts with verbal abuse. It, it starts with those little pings and, 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 and so pay attention to that if you're in a relationship. The verbal abuse in, in, is worse to me. And I've heard other people talk about that too. Because you know what? You've got those tapes and they play in your mind. And, and maybe, maybe, yeah. And maybe you've got to break those tapes and you need professional help to do it. I got professional help. Grateful for the person that I worked with. And you need to get it too, guys. So um, you're agreeing with me. You're, you're like, yes, this tapes. You've, you've heard women uh, and men, just various people who, are, uh, who still have tapes going on in their minds of what somebody else told them about themselves. Yes. That is so true. One of the one of the biggest things that stands out in my mind, there was a there was an advocate who was a survivor. Her name is Robin Kahn. She is a big advocate and activist for uh, victims of domestic violence. And one of the things she said during a presentation, I had no idea. Um, she said that she had already been divorced from her abusive spouse for 10 years. But yet and still, while she was getting ready for this presentation that we're at, she was putting on her makeup in the mirror and she could hear her husband in her head saying, I told you, you don't need makeup on. I told you, you look this way. I told you, you're like this. She washed her whole face and came to the presentation with a bare face. And we were at a university in front of like two, three hundred kids. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting that 10 years later, his voice is still echoing in her mind, causing her to change her behavior. Because you're not going to tell me I can't wear my makeup. You guys see me. No, 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 no. <laughs> but you know, it, it's very interesting to, to, to know what is going on in the mind of someone else and to hear how trauma has changed their thought process does it's 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 i've looked into it uh, you know it with neuroscience and that, that your brain basically you rewire your brain gets rewired and so you're you're in fight and flight so much of the time 
um, it, you're waiting for the shoe to drop. You know, the verbal abuse starts and then it's going to be some emotional abuse and pepper and some more verbal abuse. And eventually it's going to become that physical thing. So you're, you're waiting for, you know how the cycle goes. I remember with this person and people talk about this too, their eyes change when you know it's about, it's, it's, it's about to go down because their faces change. It's terrifying, terrifying. And so, um, and, and I know that people can control it because, um, you know, there were several times where I was um, strangled and I just stopped moving and the person stopped strangling. So they knew that they could control what they, they, they were in control and they knew that they could stop when, when they needed to. So I don't, I don't, I don't let, I know that's for a counselor's job to go and talk with the abuser. I have no use for them. <laughs> so, um, and, and so I feel obviously very strongly about that. Um, what I know that a lot of times children who, so, so we're going to start wrapping up children are abused or they see abuse in their family. They become the abusers or they go into a relationship like that. Do you have any thoughts on with children, it is especially, especially important to, to have intervention put into place um, before, before uh, they even leave elementary school. Because we see children who are enter entering into domestic violence relationships in middle school. Now, we call it teen dating violence, but uh, it's the same thing these children experience the same thing as adults. It's just, it's, they're just in a different age bracket, but it is very, very imperative to let them know what the warning signs are, what a healthy relationship looks like, what an unhealthy relationship looks like, what people who truly love you and are for you will do in a relationship and what they should not and never do in a relationship. And it does, Witnessing domestic violence in their home does change a child. At times, you can have an outgoing child who is now withdrawn. Uh, you can have a child who, who just has various, various, um, uh, various uh, psychological issues that didn't used to be there. They, mm -hmm. uh, they can become withdrawn. They can become depressed. And at times, they can become aggressive depending on what role they might be taking on when it comes to those parents that they are witnessing. Some, some children will take on the role of the victim. Some uh, children will take on the role of the abuser. Some children might not take on any role at all, but they become more aggressive because at times they tend to have to stand up for that victim parent. So, and they see with them becoming more vocal that they can save someone. So they become more, uh, more vocal in other aspects of their life and or more aggressive in other aspects of their life because they feel as though they were able to meet aggression with aggression and it helped the victim. You know, at children's minds, you never know how it's going to affect them as an individual because they're still learning, they're still processing, their little minds are still developing. So something mm -hmm. can skew them and scar them. Mm -hmm. Oh, that makes me mad. Um, because, so, um, 
you know, you mentioned the story about the woman putting, not, you know, taking all the makeup off. And if you have witnessed domestic violence as a young person, you may be wondering why you're still ha you still have, you have some, you don't remember some of your childhood or you have really negative thought processes. And you, it, it, there is such a thing associated with abuse and post-traumatic stress disorder. So if you are in need, don't, don't wait, go get help because I promise you there's help out there at whatever stage. It could have been 10 years ago. It could have been when you were a young person and you're 55 now. There's, there's resources out there. And one of the things that I really want to talk about, I've already donated to your, your sorority charity. Um, you are, like I said, you're the newly appointed domestic violence coordinator for South Carolina for Zeta Beta Pi, Pi Beta. Zeta Pi Beta. It's referred to as Zeta, right? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that last part. It's referred to as Zeta. You refer to it as Zeta, right? Yes. Yes, we refer to okay. it as Zeta. It's uh, Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Yay. And you are doing a charity right now, and you can donate. Can you tell people how they can do that? Listen, this money, too, so you know, um, it, 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 it's going to help people, young people, old people, all races of people, all religions of people. It's to help people who are survivors, I guess we can say victims too, of domestic violence. Yes, yes. Thank you, Ingrid, for, uh, for bringing that up. My sorority has taken on a new initiative. And what we're doing is we're partnering with domestic violence shelters in our area. This is a international initiative that we have uh, that we have created. Uh, it spans from the entire U.S. out to the Virgin Islands, the British Virgin Islands, and then we also have chapters of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority in Africa as well. Um, and once we gather these funds, we are going to utilize them to purchase things for victims and survivors that they need you know, items that they are truly, truly in need of. And you can go on our national website. It is zphib1920.org. And that is zphib1920.org. Um, and there's a donation button and you can click that donation button. Um, and all of you, you know, your funds and or proceeds will be able to, to help us in this fight because uh, domestic violence is something that that spans you know through through um through time and across nations and we really and truly 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 need to be a voice to bring awareness so that we can be proactive and stop this before it even starts because the more likely you are to know about something the less likely you are to allow it to uh to enter into your space enter into your life Hell yeah, because let me tell you, I didn't know about it. I, I really hadn't experienced it. And had I known more, now when I t teach people and I see that we're talking about the relationships and they start telling me, he really doesn't want me to hang out with these guys. And I've been friends with them for all these years. And I'm like, that's a red flag. So you're right. Education is power. It's knowledge. It's knowing, hey, this has happened to these other people over here. This is what they told me, this seminar. And this is what they told me this is going to look like. So I'm not crazy because gaslighting is a big part of what happens to you too in domestic violence. 
um, where the other person makes you feel like you're, you're the crazy one. And so um, I'm so grateful that your sorority is doing this really, really important work. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. In addition, you're, you're working with Gravity Counseling with your husband, who is also, who is a licensed professional counselor. That's Greenwood. Um, what's the best way people can get a hold of you? I think you're awesome. Thanks for being here. And thank you for this fight for helping people. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on that. This is, this is great. This is really, 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 really great. Um, getting a chance to speak out about this. Um, and if for any reason, if any reason you all need to contact us, uh, in the Greenwood, South Carolina area and, or you need resources within the area that you're in, you can contact me. Um, what is my email guys? It's still brand new. I don't remember it. We can put it in the link. Great, great, great. Because I don't want to say it wrong, but I'm the co-coordinator for the state. And I think it's Z-E-T-A-S-C-D-V cohort one at gmail.com. That's my email address. Um, with Gravity Counseling Group, it's info at gravitycounselinggroup.com. That one's easy. That one's easy. Um, and our phone number, 864-321-0108. I think it's great. Thank you so much for giving all of that information. It's great that you're willing to be a resource, too, to help people who might be living elsewhere, who might be listening to us. Because it takes picking up a phone to just get started. You, you, you feel like, oh, it's very overwhelming. And having as many resources at your disposal is so incredibly important. So thank you for being one of those people. Thank you for your compassion. Um, thank you for crying with me and empathizing and feeling. <laughs> feeling. It's important for us to feel things. And so, um, so thank you. And um, thank you for your beautiful face and heart and everything. Thanks so much for today. You're welcome. You're welcome. And thank you for having me. And